Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zarrell. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone'sACriticPodcast.com. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle is CriticsPod. And if you go to our Facebook and Twitter pages, pinned to the top is a contest that we're running. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit more about that, Sean? Yeah, you've got the chance to win uh, a a movie uh, just for giving us a five-star review. If you go to whatever site that you do uh, that uh, you listen on and you can give us a five-star review and then tell us you did it, uh, we'll send you a copy of either the great war of Archimedes or uh, another film. Uh, both are Asian action movies and uh, they're uh, pretty terrific films. Uh, Deliver us from evil is the other one. And you can have one of those on Blu-ray uh, first uh, nine people who get in. I uh, can get a copy on Blu-ray, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll make that happen for you. Just uh, give us a five-star review, let us know you did it, and we'll and uh, get in touch, and we'll send you a Blu-ray. Thank you. Also, we have our Patreon, patreon.com slash criticspod, the best way to help support the podcast. You can listen to us, like Sean said, on any of the platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Alexa, uh, Spotify, all of them. Uh, we also stream live on YouTube. Sunday mornings, Monday nights, sometimes Sunday nights, just depends on the holiday of the day, the weekend. We try to, Sean's been letting you know on social media lately when we're going to be recording, and then I do post a link once we go live if you want to watch. Finally, we have our Tee Public page. If you go to IHateCritics.net, up in the right-hand corner, you can get yourself some Everyone's a Critic podcast merch, including the shirt I'm wearing now of Willem Dafoe with very, a giant sausage in front of him. This very disturbing photo. <laughs> Yes, yeah, very hilarious. Uh, Looks like something out of house, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to that. Uh, <clears throat> oh, pardon me, sorry. No problem. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and bring the the show started, and we will start with the Conjuring. The devil made me do it. The Conjuring. The devil made me do it. Is the 50th movie in the Conjuring universe or something like that. Uh, it's uh, directed by the same guy who did the um, what was that movie? I forgot the name. I don't care anymore. James Wan? Um, or no? <laughs> no, no. James Wan didn't direct this. This is the director of uh, La Llorona, I think it is. Mm. Um, did this one. Uh, not the good La Llorona, the other La Llorona. <laughs> uh, the story here, picking up with one of the famous uh, stories of Ed and Lorraine Warren about uh, demonic possession that switches bodies into a young man named Arnie who ends up uh, killing his landlord during a, a drunken fight. Uh, then he claimed that uh, the devil made him do it and the Warrens were the ones who backed up his alibi. Uh, and uh, It's total bullshit that, uh, uh, that made national headlines as they tended to do back in the day. Um I, I'm so, I'm angry at the amount of skill that this displays because there is a great deal of skill here in delivering the kinds of uh, suspense and thrills that this movie does. And I, I I do acknowledge that those are there. I do acknowledge that there are elements of this that really that really work. Like I think uh, Vera Farmiga and, and Patrick Wilson, if these characters weren't named Ed and Lorraine Warren, I might admire their work here. But I can't. I can't let this go. I cannot let go of the fact that here we are burnishing the legends of a pair of con artists who lied their way into national headlines and, and, 
made money off of this. They, they made money off of covering up, trying to cover up a murder about trying to convince people that a demon possessed a guy and uh, <laughs> a demon, by the way, a demon, by the way, that came to life through a waterbed. <laughs> what? First of all, before we even get to that, let me try and, and understand how, how this just the construction of this plot works. Someone was targeting the child and the, 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 the evil death cult, whatever the devil worshiper cult is pointing at this child. They want to get to this child for some reason, which is never established in the movie. The, to do this, they set up a evil totem beneath a waterbed in a house they've arguably not been inside before, but I guess they know where the waterbed is and they happen to know that the kid, even though it's not his room, he's going to lay down on the waterbed. And then the kid gets possessed by a demon that comes through the waterbed. <laughs> and then the kid is being exercised by Ed and Lorraine and somehow the demon jumps from the kid to his sister's boyfriend who then goes on to commit a murder in a drunken rage, killing a guy the kids never met. Does that plot work in any way? I mean, just without Ed and Lorraine Warren, that is such a convoluted way to start a plot. And then you have, but you bring in that element of real life that this, you know, actually took place that uh, this guy actually did murder his landlord during a drunken fight. And Ed and Lorraine Warren came about to, to explain, no, 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 the devil made him do it because in, he had a demon inside him when it happened. It's, <laughs> it is infuriating to me that we continue to, that they continue to make these movies that burnish this ridiculous, ludicrous legend of these two people who were, who were just con artists who just made up bullshit. And in this case, covered up an actual murder or tried to cover up an actual murder. And we're all like, what a wonderful love story. Give me a break. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but let's review the movie. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. Uh, I do think, you know, they're, you know, using the kid as a conduit to pass the demon around, it, it makes sense to me as a horror movie. Uh, it, you know, I, I thought The Conjuring itself, the first one was actually a very, very good movie. Uh, you got the same issues that you're saying. You know, you have two con artists at the <laughs> the front of it, and it's all based on true stories and blah blah blah. Uh, this true one, stories, but you know what I mean. But you know, this one I got confused with the first half of the Amityville story because I always thought that that uh, was a George Del Rio or something like that when he killed his family. I thought he tried to possess or plead devil possession, but he did. He went for insanity. This is the one I always got confused with. Uh, I find that interesting, but when you word it the way you're wording it, it's like, yes, they're trying to cover up a murder. Uh, what I don't know, you know, I believe that they knew they were covering up a murder and they were just trying to make money. That's my belief. I have well, no also, proof of that. There's no evidence of they've but, never. But also, just, just but, but what they're trying to do here is not so much cover up a murder as continue their lie because if they don't well, go along right. with arnie johnson's story he could say well they just made up that whole bullshit about david being possessed to you know to get to, to to write a new book right and but there's also no evidence of any of that being true because they've never well, of they, course there isn't <laughs> but that's what's it's like pro wrestling you know it's you know and they covered up murders too let's not 
Oh, yeah. And we still watch their shows. So it's hard to... It really... They just never had an attitude era where they let everybody know it wasn't real. <laughs> and that's <laughs> what I struggle with here. And then... <clears throat> You think? Do you honestly think that Ed and Lorraine actually believed the bullshit they put out? I do not. I <gasps> I just can't. I have no way to prove it. Uh, I know people that do believe it, uh, and it's insane to me. But I mean, this is one of those things where it's split fifty. Yeah, probably fifty fifty. Uh, you know, it's no different than Democrat Republican. You know, everybody has their own version of the truth. Uh, some of it's this crazy conspiracy theory bullshit off to the way whatever direction you want to go and some of it's like based in science and fact <laughs> and <laughs> this is more you know QAnon level of crap but it's probably less right but this is packaged in a way that's going to get through to a lot more people i mean because uh, well, facebook that's... can ki- facebook can kick donald trump off of facebook right you know and keep him from spreading lies and garbage here uh they can't, we're, we're packaging this in a way that allows Ed and Lorraine Warren to be you know, presented as these religious superheroes, a wielded god like Mjolnir, and and smashed you know devils with <laughs> devils with their superpowers, their superpowered religion, and and we're just pretending that these two lying con artists are these romantic heroes, and for years, for decades from now. When people go to search Ed and Lorraine Warren, instead of seeing these these decrepit monsters who are ripping people off with their lies, they get this lovely story about people who are, you know, thirty years younger and fifty thousand times more attractive than they ever were. <laughs> this wonderful love story that everybody's just falling in love with, and not the fact that they covered up a murder. In fairness, if this movie didn't exist, you wouldn't find that either. You wouldn't find that they covered up a murder. You'd find. They would, but they'd be lost to history in the way they deserve to be. Instead of now, now they're the legends in death. They're the legends they always wanted to be. So in this cosmic joke, they get everything they ever wanted. Right, and I and it's frustrating. I get it, but they, I mean, they still have been legends to certain people, just not as many. Uh, but again, they're making a Vince McMahon movie. He's on TV every week. He's covered up murder. He's been. Re- <laughs> He helped kill the guy on accident. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that <laughs> it really is the same. <laughs> it really isn't any different. Uh, so I don't know. But like, like you said, and I think part of your anger is the movie kind of works. There's nothing wrong with the movie itself. Uh, there are elements that are wrong. Like that whole bullshit about the, the bed is just the water bed. is silly. It was just silliness. Um <clears throat> In a, in a movie that wasn't uh, about the Ed Lorraine Warren, everybody be pointing out the logical fallacies uh, that lead from what from what this plot through. But but it is fascinating going to look at if you look at the true story. I mean, they didn't change the names, <laughs> so uh, the guy who went to jail for five years he's still alive. <laughs> His wife is dead. Uh, the family of the boy <coughs> deny that the boy was ever possessed. Uh, you know, they obviously try to do an exorcism on him, but they disagree that he was possessed. Uh, there's a yeah, big, so they, oh, by the way, yes, they, they torture children, by the way. And, and it was nice in the movie to include that uh, vocal recording of them torturing a child. That was yeah. great. Really wonderful use of, uh, of that to, to you know, because this movie has no because again, 
Hollywood is wrapped up in IP. And the, the IP now is the Warrens. The Warrens are the IP. And now they they have this dedication, if you will, to protecting their IP and pretending that what these people did was real. And it, it reminded me again of what of why I hated The Greatest Showman so much mm-hmm. is that you know, Bartlett, uh, what, uh, Barnum was a f- fucking monster, a racist, uh, just an evil human being. <laughs> and his me- his legacy now is handsome Hugh Jackman with a song in his heart. And that pisses me off. <laughs> his legacy should be con artist, racist, disgusting, awful human being. And the Warrens the same way. We're just pretending that these were good people who's who loved each other and just wanted to protect people from demons. Oh, give me a break. And even with P.T. Barnum, again, if you searched him up, it's only going to be a footnote that he was a racist and a horrible person, <laughs> sadly. But you're right. Again, it's the platform. But at the very least, recalls. he's forgotten. He's right. forgotten without this stupid movie. At least we can forget he ever existed. Yeah. But th- and this is more of a this like this is closer to fifty fifty, if not more, in their favor than ours. I think we're more the minority of people that think this is a con job. Uh, even though I don't know how you can't. I mean, there'd be there'd be more household names like the Warrens, who I knew who they were long before you did too. Uh, if this was, I don't know. I, I'm done. I've hated them for decades. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't need a movie to tell me I hated Ed Lorraine Warren. I hated Ed Lorraine Warren. I'm a, I'm an old school hater of Ed Lorraine Warren. When I was Dating a back kid. To, Go ahead. I, I, I used to work uh, overnights in radio and Art Bell was on our talk station and he would talk to Ed Lorraine Warren back in the 90s. And it's like, stop, stop platforming these people. Yeah, no, I read the original Amityville Horror book when I was like a kid because I knew about the movie and I wasn't allowed to watch it. I rented it from the library or checked it out from the library, read it against my parents. They wouldn't let me have it. I kind of snuck it in. I was reading it night under the covers and I bought into it hook, line and sinker for a while. Yeah. And then you start reading more about how, well, nobody else ever had a problem in that house. The people before them, yes, there was a murder. (laughs) Uh, Everybody is crazy that wasn't i don't know it's as lorraine warren we're we're such great geniuses who could fight demons and and protected people from evil then why did they ever claim james randy's prize james randy put up a million dollars if somebody could prove bullshit like this and they never once stepped forward not one time because they couldn't prove anything that they did because they made it all up and it's back to that like the QAnon level of conspiracy theory, it's just enough where you can't prove anything's not real, but you can't <laughs> prove it's too it. stupid. It's right. so stupid that you can't say like. <laughs> but people, hook, line, and sinker, fall for it every day, uh, and people believe in ghosts. It's just weird. There's this guy on YouTube. He's a genius. His name is uh, Quentin. Uh, Quentin reviews his channel. He does this. He did this bit on the the History Channel and ancient aliens, and he was. And he was doing talking about that awful ancient aliens show. And he's like, I know you guys want me to try and go through and debunk like each of these claims, but how do you debunk ideas like, you know, the islands on East, the, the statues on each Easter islands are internet modems. Like, how do you debunk that? <laughs> That's just so stupid. That how do you, you just point it out? You're pointing it out, debunks it. Right. I mean, it's, <sighs> I lost my train of thought. <laughs> 
I mean, it would be like saying God isn't real. You'd have to go and prove that to really disprove them. <laughs> and you can't do that. So uh, it is what it is. It doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you. Uh, I find the idea of demon possession as a plea interesting. <laughs> Obviously, it's horrible. <laughs> but it's, you know, as history. What, I would just what, what is more believable, right? All right, you've got a, a guy who murders another guy in a drunken in a drunken brawl after the guy was touching his girlfriend, or a demonically possessed waterbed possessed a child who then was exercised and the demon went into the guy who then went on to get in the drunken brawl and kill the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm much, I'm kind of on the side of logic on that one for some reason. I don't know. Just seems like maybe, maybe perhaps the guy just got drunk and stabbed another guy. And it's totally possible he saw red, doesn't remember doing it. I, I buy into that completely. Sure. Uh, but to this day, he swears the devil made him do it. So. <laughs> uh, he only had to serve five years for it. So, Isn't it weird, though, how anytime Ed and Lorraine Warren went and investigated something, they always found evil? Isn't that weird? And then they wrote a book about it, and then they made money from that book. So strange how it always went that way. <laughs> it's as if they got paid to find where evil was. <laughs> Everywhere they went. Everywhere they went. All right. My wife's getting pissed. She loves them. So <laughs> let's move on to Super Frenchy. Super Frenchy is a uh, documentary about extreme sports star Matthias Giroux. And it's about uh, 11, 12 years of his life that they document here in only about 75 minutes, which is pretty impressive because his stunts don't really take up a lot of time. Uh, he's a base jumper and a ski jumper, and uh, his, ski, his type of uh, extreme sport is one that's not done by very many people. He finds the highest... Uh, peaks that he can climb to or take a helicopter up to on skis. He puts a uh, a parachute on his back and he skis down the hill and then he jumps and pulls the uh, pulls the parachute and then floats down. And it's terrifying. It really is terrifying to watch because uh, the wind conditions are mostly the, you know the, what you're looking at here that that is the real terror. Because once he gets off that mountain and he pulls that parachute he's at the mercy of the wind at that point so one bad wind throws him against that that uh you know side of the mountain that you can see in this mm -hmm. poster and he could die and it the 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 number of people who have died doing this are pretty are pretty large uh just from the few people who do it by percentage there's a lot of them that are dead uh, one of them happens to be a friend of his shane mcconkey who was a very famous was very famous for doing this and died doing this it's death is so common in this pr profession if you want to call it that uh that they have they have a term they have their own terminology for it they call it going in like going in the ground <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, the, it's and yet as morbid as that is he is such a positive guy and he is so charming and so humble and interesting that i didn't i didn't take that as morbid i took it as that's just part of what this guy does and he's not—he's not afraid of it. He's—he's he's not unafraid of it. He's just kind of—he's just kind of accepts it. Uh, the, throughout the journey, we're going to watch him uh, go from this guy who's t solitarily pursuing, you know, one big adrenaline thing after another to 
a guy who falls in love and gets married and eventually is going to have a baby. And then he has the worst accident imaginable doing this uh, without the worst accident because he doesn't die, but he has, a, <laughs> he has a really bad accident doing this. And it's terrifying. And we get to see that from his perspective, his GoPro camera. Uh, which is really great. The photography throughout this is spectacular from the aerial photography on the helicopters to his GoPro are they're phenomenal. But then you have these wonderful to the camera interviews, especially with his mother. who he's not close with. Uh, She reveals herself and reveals him in such interesting ways. It's almost so matter of fact, how divided they are as a family and just how apart from they are apart they are as people but yet he's so positive <laughs> regardless of that everything he's just so positive about uh he we watch his son grow from a baby to a you know a, a young child uh in this movie because it takes place over about 11 years and all of that is compacted into just 75 minutes and that's really uh really wonderful storytelling i, I really like this a lot how is that a profession? I get the adrenaline part of it, but how do you make money doing this? <laughs> everything he does is sponsored. So you oh. see sponsor logos on everything that he that he's wearing. His It's on the top of his parachute. Uh, you can't see it there, but it usually is under his parachute so he can capture it from, from beneath as he's coming down. So everything that he does is sponsored. The helicopter has sponsorship on it, uh, his skis. Uh, so that's how he makes money. That's crazy. Uh, looks fun. Not really, but <laughs> I, I can see it being, uh, especially at that runtime. Uh, I would love to see this on a big screen. I had to watch a, a screener of it, but I would have loved to see it on the big screen. Even especially, it would be even better on IMAX. I imagine it would be incredible. I'm sure. Uh, Spirit Untamed. <laughs> Spirit Untamed is a movie uh, to babysit kids with. Uh, you just put this on in front of a a girl anywhere from three to nine years old and uh, leave the room. You can go do other things. Uh, (laughs) Spirit Untamed is essentially a sequel to Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron, which came out in 2002, but not really. Uh, That film was about uh, the spirit, the horse voiced by Matt Damon, who uh, it was a stallion that got loose and led a group of other stallions this one he's still the leader but he doesn't talk this time there's no matt damon it's just him and this little girl uh bond and become friends and then she has to help him rescue his stallion family that gets taken by a group of uh wranglers played by uh uh, what's his name walton goggins uh plays the big bad guy it's fine there's nothing wrong with it the character designs competent the animation is colorful there's nothing special about it. Uh, if I would be, I would have probably hated this in the theater, but uh, you know, watching it on a screener as I did, I just kind of was playing Uno on my phone while I watched this. <laughs> it's really not particularly engaging for adults, but it's the kind of movie that's, that's just inoffensive and, you know, 82 minutes, you can leave the kids in front of it and forget about it. And they're not going to be harmed in any way. And it's not, they're not going to be bored and walk away from it, though. <laughs> I mean, little girls, I, little girls who love horses, you know, probably will just be fascinated with it. That's good. Your daughter's probably grown out of this. Yeah, for sure. But uh, you know, seven, eight years ago, your daughter would probably be fascinated with this movie. All right. George Romero's The Amusement Park coming soon. 
Actually, yeah, we're going to talk about this one next week. <laughs> right, so this week. Right. So I would like you to be able to see this and to, right. to give a fair perspective on it. It's a long lost Romero movie. Uh, it's an educational film from what I understood. He got paid to make it. Yeah, uh, and it's not even feature length. It's only 52 minutes long. It's supposed to be about you know, how young people treat it, the elderly. Uh, yeah, right, but so, I want you to see that one before we talk about right, it. We'll so. talk about that one next week. Deadly Illusions on Netflix. <laughs> the best movie of the week. Bullshit. This movie sucks. <laughs> I mean, I read your review of this one, too, and I'm like, really? I don't even find the fun in it. Really? Uh, <laughs> no. I was laughing a lot during this movie. I thought it was hysterical uh, entirely unintentionally. But, yeah, I was laughing a lot during this movie. Uh, Deadly Illusions is about uh, an author who becomes too obsessed with her uh, own uh, writing. She's a... She writes novels about murders, and uh, she becomes obsessed with her new babysitter, played by Greer Grammer, uh, who is a kind of a con artist who kind of snuck her way into being the babysitter. And uh, horrible things happen. <laughs> things get revealed. Uh, there's a whole lesbian thing going on, which is weird. Kristen Davis becomes, she's a, she's a straight married woman, but she becomes kind of attracted to Greer Grammer's character in a way that the movie is very weird about <laughs> and uh, creepy about, for sure. Uh, cringy, hardcore cringe all throughout this movie. Uh, this is so terrible. It's such a bad movie, but I I found it to be very, very funny. <laughs> and I, I could imagine watching this with a good group of people and just riffing on this thing the whole time and just really enjoying it from that perspective. Watching it alone, I was more cringing and just kind of like, I wish somebody could be here to laugh at this with me. But as it is, I, I, I don't recommend it. It's not a good movie, but, right. <laughs> but I laughed a lot during this movie. So on that in that way, I kind of recommend it. I mean, it's just one of those movies that comes around every year where you just get a bunch of tv stars and throw them in a movie and uh, i mean there's just so many movies you could do that with that i'd rather do that with than this i guess is yeah. more and i watched it alone too but or i guess my wife was there but it, it's just like i was expecting like the cringe to be more than just the acting <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there is more, I guess, but the, the acting sex. is right. But the, <laughs> the acting sex is, is pretty cringe. I agree, but the acting is it starts there, and it's so bad. And Could Dermot Mulroney be more bored and disengaged in a role? I thought like he's been bad for a long time, but this is like he's really bad at this. Well, and usually these movies with the TV stars that go and make a movie together. They're active TV stars. Are is Kristen Davis and are they in a, uh, active shows right now? I don't know. I don't honestly. I think she's starting up Sex in the City again. Right. I don't know. I, heard I wish that, they wouldn't. But, uh, but hey, I don't have to watch it. So I, why do I care? As long uh, as they don't make another movie. Good God. <laughs> but yeah, it's on Netflix. If you want to, I've never seen. Together. I've never seen Greer Grammar before. No, and this is not a it. very good. Not a very good uh, promotion for her performance. Luckily, no one will ever hear about this again. So, <laughs> all right, let's move on. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event for the linear, legitimate, and universally recognized, undisputed right. classic House. 
House is our classic this week. Uh, Directed and created by Nobuhiko Obayashi. Uh, This is an experimental horror film that was has a strange origin story. This was inspired by Jaws, weirdly enough. Uh, the Toho company in Japan wa- watched uh, Jaws become a worldwide phenomenon. And they were like, we want our own Jaws. What can we do? So they turned our, turned to this guy, Obayashi, to uh, come up with their version of, of Jaws, and this is what he came up with. <laughs> and there are some touches in there, uh, weirdly enough. Like, the, the main villain does eat people, and uh, the house at one point, which is completely landlocked, uh, becomes flooded with water, and, they, and the characters end up floating on, you know, various pieces, not unlike the characters at the end of Jaws who are floating on what's left of their boat. So there are elements of it there. Like he, he really did honor something of what <laughs> what uh, Toho had wanted. Uh, but overall, he's just really just playing around with the visual elements and creating this transgressive art horror movie that is about uh, seven Japanese schoolgirls who travel to uh, one of their aunt's houses in the in the in the woods and the on this mountain and uh they're going to spend a couple a week or so there uh for their summer vacation and they end up getting picked off one by one by this evil being um <laughs> this is a great movie i really loved this uh this is so much better than every other typical horror movie like i i was just i was i'm writing about this and i'll have a review written review up as well after the show because i was comparing it a little bit to the to the conjuring and how i just i prefer something like this this is this reminded me so wonderfully of like uh, night of the virgin or even elements of midsummer in some ways just in how different and unique and strange his vision is because it's this outsized sort of comic visual elements crossed with some genuinely scary and uh and gripping images haunting images that he creates so you've got like each of the characters are named for just a trait that they have like uh one is named gorgeous one is named fantasy because she often you know is a dreamer uh one's named mac big mac because she likes to eat uh <laughs> one's named melody uh because she likes music and, and these are done in a in, in a way that would be you know a kind of a Uh, It's a shorthand, essentially, so he doesn't have to write actual characters. And it's also a shorthand in storytelling because each of them is going to be killed in a way that is reminiscent to their name. So when Gorgeous essentially seems to die or is taken over by the big bad, she dies while putting on makeup. Uh, You've got Mac dying, retrieving food. You've got Melody dying in the most memorable way by being eaten by a piano. (laughs) Like, these these are... elements of their of their name and their death are meant to create a tension to uh between you know their name and how they die and that's established early on and carries out throughout the movie uh and that's really uh it it's it's shorthand but it's kind of brilliant in its way just the way he does it uh it, it could be lazy in the hands of a bad director but in the hands of a very artful and smart and well brilliant director it's it's wonderful shorthand because he's not he doesn't care about telling you about these characters or creating characters he's he's doing this all to create these compelling fascinating visuals on top of that there is a deeper meaning to the movie because he made this movie in 1977 as a way of talking about a generation of japanese young people who had grown up completely in peace who were not aware of what had happened before they were born. They were the first generation to reach older teenage 
years not having thought about what happened in World War II. And so they're kind of growing sort of they're they didn't grow up with that pain. And this generation that that uh, Obayashi was in did. He grew up right outside of of uh, one of the one of the places where Nagasaki, I think it was. Uh, where one of the bombs was dropped, and he lost people in that. People die. People he knew died in that bombing, and so when he creates the character of Auntie as this woman who lost a, her fiance in the war, she has all of the pain of World War II inside her, and that carries her forward to destroy this generation of young people and make them feel the pain that she felt at that time to remind them of the horrors that she experienced in her life. And so that's the underlying point. It's buried deep within, but it's there. And I just adore that. I just adore everything about this movie. The, 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 the comic visuals combined with the horror, you've got this head that's pulled out of a well, and it's just got this eerie, big smile on its face, and then it bites a girl on the butt. <laughs> it's funny but at the same time it's it reminded me like of evil dead like in just the inventive sort of nature of of that of that moment it was very much evil dead and you can sense a lot of sam raimi uh where he got a lot of his ideas for evil dead from this movie yeah they should remake this as like about 9-11 or whatever or use that as the, <laughs> you know our kids our generation you know the not ours but the right 20 somethings are just starting to or the yeah, late we, teens we, would be right there. Yeah, the the first generation that have grown up after nine eleven. Absolutely. The only thing I ha- I agree with everything you're saying. I guess the only thing that holds me back on it is I think this is less timeless than a lot of other movies, even like Evil Dead, for whatever reason. Uh, I I feel like when you're when the visual is such an important thing, and then time passes you by, some of the things. You know, and I guess each of the killers suffered from it to a little bit to an extent. Although he kind of made it more comic booky, so it kind of worked. And he did, not that they don't hear too; it's just even older. Like I feel like this came out in the '90s. It would definitely, you know, would be timeless. I just some of the visuals are so outdated that it affects the timeless nature of it to me. Uh, but uh, everything else, I agree. I agree with you 100. percent I I'm I'm fascinated by the idea. I love the originality. Uh, I'm just I hesitate to put it on my list of like my favorite movies like this, you know, along with like Mandy and the Midsummer and even the even the Evil Dead's uh because of that factor, which is I don't know why. And maybe it's just cuz I haven't been watching it for 20 some years like I have in Evil Dead. Uh yeah. but it, it definitely is it's original and I appreciate it and I enjoyed watching it, but I definitely couldn't show it to anybody other than you (laughs) that would sit and watch it and be like, this is, this is pretty fascinating. Like, I don't think Josh would like it. I don't think my brother would like it. I'm trying to think of other movie buffs that would get into it. And, and again, it's a a very particular kind of movie and uh, yeah, it's a very particular and peculiar audience that is going to, enjoy this movie and i'm happy to be part of that uh, very peculiar audience yeah uh, this is a wonderfully unapologetically perverse movie that that uh is is weird and fascinating and brilliant in ways that that uh aren't easy to describe and then some of it too is you know like a movie like suspiria sometimes you would just be like i'd take that frame and i'd put that you know i'd frame that yeah. frame and put it on my wall i wouldn't necessarily do that here with any of the visuals uh 
but they're close. And, and I don't know if it's just that it's personal taste or that the technology has advanced, you know, enough <laughs> that some of it kind of looks silly. Uh, and, and that's like the, my one small, and I'm just trying to come up with an yeah. idea to keep I the think, conversation see, I, I would, going. This, this, this here, I think I would, this, the image now, we're looking at picture, here, I would put absolutely. on the wall. Absolutely. <laughs> that's awesome. Absolutely. Uh, and there's another one where I think it's prof's death where she dies in the water and she gets pulled apart somehow in a way that the kind of bizarre. And I, I, I would absolutely take that, just that image of her head, <laughs> yeah. a whole bunch of other i would put that on my wall uh there's a couple other ones i, I guess i would say it's about 50 50 in the if like if you watch the movie there's 50 percent of the time i think it looks really cool then the other 50 i'm like oh i mean as much as i love the piano stuff like watching the keys it just kind of looked cheap and like they didn't have the money for it, which is again i'm okay with that i'm not it's not a fair criticism of the, criticism of the movie uh but like Sam Raimi five years later would have probably, I don't know how, it, it, I don't know. It, it just, that's kind of the one thing that holds me back from like holding it up as, you know, on the same level as like Mandy or Midsummer or any of these, uh, Suspiria or any of these other movies. Uh, but it is, I am glad we watched it because this is what I prefer over things like The Conjuring because it's wholly original. And that's absolutely, that's the number one. I just, Again, you you started it, so I had to come up with some sort of <laughs> counterbalance to the conversation. <laughs> but I largely agree with you. Like ninety nine percent of it, I, I'm with you on. Yeah, this is an all time classic for me. I want to get the uh, Criterion Collection, uh, uh, the Blu Ray or DVD of it, whatever it is. I'll take it. Uh, I just I adore this movie. That is an awesome poster, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 1991. We've had three movies come out. I've seen all of them. Uh, let's start with Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. I don't get it. <laughs> the movie that made Christian Applegate a movie star, not a TV star. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did it? <laughs> it was the first one, wasn't it? Or the one, not her first, but yeah, the first but one I mean, where she. Was this, was this a hit, though? I think so. Everybody my age liked it or saw it, except for me. I, I saw it later on. I don't get the appeal of this movie. It's so it it's a movie movie. It's a, it feels like a movie. It is a movie. Uh, there's nothing particularly special about it. Uh, the Keith Coogan character is, is just this joke of a character, just this parody send up. The last person I would cast as a headbanger is Keith Coogan. Like he's just the, not, he's the least believable heavy metal guy in movie history. Yeah, well, even in the Jane Silent Bob reboot, when they bring him back to give his famous line from this movie, uh, <laughs> he's just an old fat guy with no hair. <laughs> like it doesn't work. <laughs> but he goes, the dishes are done or whatever. Uh, I don't know. It's there was a certain. I mean, maybe. You, I don't know because there's a couple years between us, not much, but I know I don't particularly like it, but I know people that do. It's kind of picked up its own cult following. Cult That's following. what I don't get. I don't get what people find memorable or appealing about this movie. That yeah. is, uh, it's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand what's so good about like, this. This I'll, isn't, it's not particularly funny. It's not particularly inventive. It's not even particularly dark, despite the, the body at the center of the movie. Right. And quite uh, frankly, I'll take 
uh, Adventures in Babysitting any day of the week to this one. Yeah, no, it's a much better, more deserving cult movie. Uh, the 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 supporting children aren't aren't particularly interesting. Like I couldn't name one of those people. Uh, and Christina Applegate is just it's okay. Right. This movie. She's not. She doesn't. She doesn't feel like a big movie star to me. No, but she did go on to not be lost to married with children. <laughs> yeah. This might have played a role in that. Uh, I do know when we showed the kids, they were in and out of the room. <laughs> and, and I think when we showed the kids, my wife was showing me as well. I <laughs> uh, City Slickers. City Slickers. This was better than I expected it to be. Like, it holds up a little bit better. It's weird that I this is the one would. that's forgotten over. <laughs> like, if I think if you're going to ask most people, they'd talk about don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Over this, <laughs> one. this is definitely better. Because this isn't particularly relatable beyond, you know, white guys in their 40s. <laughs> With a lot of money to go on, like, weird vacations. Yeah, I mean, who? I this is not particularly in that way. This is definitely has a very specific audience of white guys in their 40s. Uh, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> uh, this story is very simple. Billy Crystal is a guy who just hates his life and hates the world and just always talks about death, which is the part of this movie that doesn't hold up very well. Like you just, I really just wanted them to get on the horses very quickly. And it takes a long time to set this whole thing up about why he hates life. Uh, it doesn't help that he's a, he's a radio sales guy. So his <laughs> job doesn't, his job doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, he, he sells radio, but he when he talks when his boss talks to him about he plays it. a commercial he's yeah. buying it I'm like that doesn't make any sense he doesn't buy the commercials he sells the airtime right. and you don't tell the you don't tell your client you can tell your client you know yeah your commercial shitty but if they want to air it they're gonna air it and they're gonna pay you to air it and that's all that matters that was a really dumb scene and I'm sorry that's very specific to me but it's still a very bad scene. It would have made more sense if they like said something along the lines of, you keep playing this dumb song, people turn the station. Everybody turns the station at the ads. Not everybody, but a lot of people do, uh, when they're in their car, at least. Uh, yeah, it was, I, I, I did not understand that scene at all, and that makes sense, because it doesn't make any sense. It's uh, so they, I just wanted him to get to the, to the Western stuff, and, and once they get there, it's not that bad. Like These characters are... are they they do demonstrate a little bit of depth and humor and the 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 camaraderie between Bruno Kirby and Daniel Stern and Billy Crystal is entertaining. And then you've got I, I don't understand why people love the Jack Plants performance, why that's an Oscar worthy performance. I that baffles me because it's not that great. He doesn't no. do a lot. It's just him uh, doing Clint Eastwood or trying to. Kinda, yeah. There's just not a lot of depth there, which kind of baffles me as to why they you know, thought that was a good idea to give him an Oscar for that. It doesn't really do anything. Uh, his death isn't even particularly interesting. No. <laughs> like, uh, but I, I like a lot of this movie. It lot, Some of the elements don't hold up. Like Helen Slater's character is kind of baffling why she's even there. They, they don't hardly use her other than is the prize that Daniel Stern gets at the end of the movie. <laughs> um, but the the Nor- you know the bit with Norman the 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 little calf that was cute and it's a, an adorable little cow and I I like I liked what 
you know how Billy Crystal's character came alive with that with yeah. that uh, experience. I thought that was good. And yeah, elements of this movie, Billy Crystal's really a really good actor at times, and he can really you know he really pulls it off. Those those bigger dramatic moments of the movie are actually actually work sometimes even better than the comedic ones because he has built up a you know this notion of a guy who really needs this experience to to you know expand himself as a person or to find his life again i think i think where it doesn't hold up is that i don't know if a midlife crisis is is as acceptable in this day and age than it was right. as it was then like back then men were allowed for some reason to have these midlife crises and and to be big assholes about it <laughs> i don't think that's allowed anymore I'm, like for me i don't think i'm allowed a midlife crisis i think i think i'm too i feel like as many things about me that are immature i'm far too mature to to start now worrying about who i am as a person and going off and you know, doing stupid shit to try and figure out who I am. Well, like, I, I think it was acceptable then to go and find your smile. And now it's like, just why don't you have a smile, idiot? But I don't, <laughs> well, I think to your, we never really had, I don't know if our generation ever had to let go of the immaturity, if that plays a role too, that stuck with us the whole time. They never got, got cut off. Like, I don't relate to the, like the whole infidelity back story part doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, Billy Crystal has like they try to keep this tension of will he won't he cheat on his wife kind of thing and I I, I like that I wish they would just throw that out altogether yeah because uh, I didn't I never bought into it and even if I did then what he did it might as well have been cheating on his wife because he's emotionally cheating on it I mean and the whole thing is stupid <laughs> so I, I thought that was a little weak. Yeah, I mean, I think Crystal battled back against that well enough to to kind of he kind of diffuses that by by telling Bruno Kirby how silly it is, and yeah, the only but, thing that doesn't work is is Kirby continuously insisting upon it. But he does make a couple looks where it's just like, oh my god, you know, and that look was, you know, it's and it was for comedic purposes, but I don't I don't know if it's either the times have changed or because I can't imagine every guy in their forties was looking to get away from his wife in the 90s. I, I don't, maybe I'm wrong. I, I was just a kid. Uh, no, I think, but Crystal, again, I thought, I thought his explanation of it was fair. Oh, no, I agree. I mean, you're still going to look at attractive women and find them attractive. That's, that's, that's just not, it's not in anyone's nature to, to not find something attractive that is objectively attractive. No, I, I get that. It was more of the comedic, the kind of the, oh my God, you know, <laughs> When every time you look at something that's attractive, you don't make that face. And I, I know it's <laughs> yeah for the movie. Right, uh, right. But it is what it is. Uh, but again, I like you said, once they got to the, once they started, you know, when, you know, ranching or whatever it was, uh, whatever they were doing with the cows. <laughs> uh, once they got to that, yeah, uh, it was entertaining and pretty good. Uh it's a little over long. There, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of fat on this movie that could be cut. Uh, but generally speaking, it, it holds up better than a lot of other 90 movies. Right. And it's lucky because the fat's more at the beginning. So by the time you finish yeah. it, you f- kind of forget about the fat <laughs> until you start talking about it on a podcast later on. <laughs> and then a movie I haven't seen in a long time, but I really wanted to see probably more than any of the other two movies. And you can't. It's Jungle Fever. 
Yeah, I would love to know why you can't watch this movie anymore. It's so weird. Uh, this is about a, a movie about a, a white guy falling in love with a, a white woman falling in love with a black man and uh, the, the inherent uh, nature of that and uh, how society treated that at the time and uh, in some ways still does. Uh, that's a fascinating idea. Uh, and I would love to watch this movie and to see how well that idea translates to today. I don't know what's going on with why this isn't available. Yeah. I would love that sounds like it'd be a good story if I knew what it was. <laughs> but I mean, I even just looking it up, trying to find out why it's, it's probably music rights. <laughs> oh, that could be, I found a zoomed in version on YouTube where you couldn't see the whole screen. Like it wasn't even full screen. It was like a quarter of the screen. I was like, I'm not going to sit through this. <laughs> Cause that's not fair to the movie. Yeah. Uh, Send me a link though. I might <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Like you couldn't even see like when I don't remember who made it, uh, but whatever that when the logo popped up at the beginning, it was like only like three letters of the whole name. It was that it was pretty bad. It's uh, terrible. All right, but that is our show. Uh, stop the screen share for now. Uh, next week we've got In the Heights, Peter Rabbit Two. I'm assuming. I'm not uh, gonna watch that, but you're yeah. Not. All right, I'll see. If my kids make me watch it, I'll let you know. All right. Uh, Netflix has two movies, one called Skater Girl, one called Awake. At least I think they're movies. I don't know if we'll watch those or not. We'll see how dead the week is. <laughs> yeah, I might I might uh, bring Loki to the show if that's the case. If we don't have a lot. That's fine. Uh, the Amusement Park. Oh, yeah, The Amusement Park. We're going to talk about that, so I'll make sure to... I've already got a review of the amusement park up, but I do want to get your take on it. Yeah. Uh, and then in 1991, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves came out. I'm wondering how that's going to hold up. I think it will for me because I did watch it so much, but we'll see. Uh, also, HBO had a movie called Without Warning, the James Brady story. I don't know if I'm going to watch that or if we'll watch that at all, but <laughs> that also came out 30 years ago. Uh, like I said, we don't have a classic yet, but once we do, we'll let you know. Uh, and let's, before I move to Flickchart, uh, head over to patreon.com slash critics pods. The best way to help support the podcast or key public page at I hate critics.net. Uh, get yourself this little Defoe shirt or sticker or notebook or pillow, or whatever you want. And then our, uh, social media contests are, or a review contest up on our social media links, Facebook and Twitter specifically. Uh, go ahead, Sean, tell them about that again. Yeah, just uh, give us a five-star review anywhere you can give a review to the show, and uh, it helps us out a lot. But also, if you do that, and let us know and uh, get us your contact info. We will send you a copy of a Blu-ray, uh, Blu-ray movie about uh, uh, one of two of them. Uh, there's the... the uh, the sinking of the Archimedes, which is uh, the largest ship ever in in war, in war history, and uh, Deliver Us from Evil, a pair of uh, Asian movies that are uh, really interesting, and uh, you can own one on Blu-ray for free if you just give us a five-star review. And, and send us an email at critics at ihatecritics.net or go to our social media page and let us know a comment underneath You know those pictures. Let us know you gave the review. Uh, all right, let's move on to Flickchart. And we've got Avengers Endgame or Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. I agree. 
Eye of the Needle. Elysium. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. All right. It's not a movie. Uh, it is, but it's not. The Negotiator or Elysium? <laughs> the Negotiator has been a, a, a guilty pleasure of mine for years, but uh, it's even guiltier now for some reason. Can't imagine what that reason could be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Elysium. Is that the one from the guy who did District 9? Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember Camp, yeah. I remember liking it, and then you and Josh explained why it wasn't good, and I was like, God damn it. <laughs> uh, Michael Titan AE. I've not seen Titan A Titan AE, I don't think. Michael Electra. <laughs> Which is less shitty? Uh, Michael. Okay. Slightly less shitty. Scream two white chicks. Scream two. Agreed. The Little Rascals, American Graffiti. American Graffiti. Django the Bastard. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, I haven't either. I've seen a Django movie besides Unchained, but I don't know which one. Empire of the Sun, The Thomas Crown Affair. What is it with crappy movies today? Uh, Oscar here? (laughs) I mean, but Empire of the Sun is just homework to sit through. And I don't mind. Uh, Like, Thomas Crown Affair is kind of fun. It's terrible. Yeah, I I go with that one. (laughs) Robin Hood, Prince (laughs) of Thieves, super bad. Super bad. Agreed. Alien vs. Predator, Life of Pi. Life of Pi. Dirty Harry, the bellboy. Never heard of the bellboy. I guess I've heard of it. I just never seen right. it. Right, Dirty Harry, Rain of Fire. Rain of Fire. I hate Dirty Harry. I'm not I'm neither here nor there. Freddy versus Jason, Big Daddy. Freddy versus Jason. Agreed. Although I don't mind Big Daddy as much as you. The Princess and the Frog, Adventureland. Adventureland. Days of Thunder. I know what you did last summer. Days of Thunder is funnier. <laughs> Super 8, American History X. Super 8. Yeah, American History X. It sucks how that doesn't hold up. The Amazing Spider-Man 2, How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, I'll get hate for this, but give me Spider-Man over Dragon. I'll flip it. And you win. I do not like the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Toy Story 3, Pocahontas. Toy Story 3. Yes. The con- uh, Pocahontas is the Conjuring movie of, of American history. <laughs> <laughs> Secret Window, Ronin. Secret Window. Yeah. Can't Hardly Wait, Meet the Fockers. I think I don't I don't know how I feel about Beat the Fockers. I don't remember. I kind of don't. I I kind of tolerate Can't Hardly Wait. So that one. I'm going to go Meet the Fockers. Let's see. Oh, it's behind the computer. And Jesus, Can't Hardly Wait. Can't Hardly Wait, Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason. Bridget Jones. Black Panther, The Fast and the Furious. 
Black Panther. I love that Fast and the Furious, though. <laughs> this is fun. The Devil's Rejects, 48 hours. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that hard for me, honestly. 48 hours, even though I don't like it. Devil's Rejects for me. Where to God, I won this time. I'm not just lying because. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, killing them softly, Twilight, New Moon. Uh, which one's shorter? Uh, killing them softly. I think Twilight's shorter. I think Twilight's <laughs> over before Brad Pitt even pops in the movie. Uh, but I'm going to go with you. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, Billy Elliot. Guardians. Yeah. Road to Perdition, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The Rundown, Battle Royale. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has gotten better in my mind. I like it even more now, somehow. Yeah, I feel <laughs> uh, battle- yeah, Go ahead. Go- well, I feel that way about Hateful Eight, too. Like Both of them seem to just keep getting better. I mean, I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood from the get-go, but I remember Hateful Eight, we kind of left like, it was fine. It was good for, you know. Good movie, not great Tarantino, but the more I sit on that one, the more I like it. Uh, you see Battle Royale? Yeah. I agree. Rundown's not bad, though. No. Babel. I'm not sure where Revenge is. All right. Babel, Point Break. <laughs> Babel. It's pretty easy. Uh, Mr. Popper's <laughs> Penguins, Live Free or Die Hard. <laughs> Live Free or Die Hard. <laughs> Yeah, if it'll be any diehard after that one, I'm going with the Penguins. Because then they turn into like Bruce Willis straight to video movies. Saw 4, Hatchet 2. Saw 4. Chicken Little, Cape Fear. Cape Fear. By the way, I talked to the director of uh, Saw 4, Darren Lynn Boozman, for my other podcast. And uh, I'll share a link to that on the. Uh, uh, I did share a link to that actually on our Facebook. If you want to check that out. Awesome. Armageddon, it takes two. It takes two. Because fuck Armageddon so hard. Fuck the Olsen twins. I would rather watch the Olsen twins. I would rather watch the Olsen twins. I don't understand. I like, I understand that it's a bad movie, but I don't understand. Like, it's such a throwaway movie that I, you know, it might as well I be would, back. I would rather watch. <laughs> The direct to, to the store shows that the Olsen twins did as little baby detectives than watch Armageddon. See, I hold Armageddon on like the same level as like backdraft. <laughs> like I don't, I don't <laughs> get. You know, it's stupid. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's insulting, is what it is. What you don't think they could get um, on a meteor and put a bomb on it and blow it up? <laughs> <laughs> Scream two or brick. Brick. Yeah. Revenge of the Nerds. Zach and Mary make a porno. Zach and Mary. Yes. Police Academy, The Virgin Suicides. Virgin Suicides. Agreed. Eye of the Beholder, Anchorman, The Legend of Anchorman. Shutter Island, Some Like It Hot. Some Like It Hot. Yeah, Stigmata, Dr. Doolittle. Stigmata. 
a view to kill a rear window. Rear window. Due date, the Mexican. They're both trash. Um, <laughs> I think I think the Mexican's actually shorter, so I'll get that one. Probably is. I Due date feels like it's three years long. Yeah, but I, it's entertaining enough in the background while I'm doing something <laughs> else. I'll go due date. Jesus Christ. Apparently, I only win coin flips when I really care about the answer. Uh, Richie Rich, Minority Report. Minority Report. Natural Born Killers, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Bill and Ted. I really hate Natural Born Killers. I don't really have an opinion, so I'm going to flip it. To see if we have to flip again. <laughs> All right, landed on Natural Born Killer, so now I'm going to flip it because that's my choice. <laughs> yeah, that was Natural Born Killers. Heads twice. Apparently, it doesn't matter if I don't care. The Rock, the big hit. I don't think I've seen the big hit. The Rock, liar, liar. Liar, liar. I'm going to say, if you pick The Rock and like, and you hate Armageddon. I'm like, they're like the same. I mean, I don't, I, I'm so confused. <laughs> the Rock is funny. The Rock's funny, though. So you didn't think it was funny when Liv Tyler was crying at the end of Armageddon? Not even a little. <laughs> no, no I was just, I was so mad. I just didn't care. Sex in the City, Requiem for a Dream. Requiem for a Dream. I'd watch that movie three times before I ever watched Sex in the City. <laughs> <laughs> movie you need to see one time. That's so hard to watch. <laughs> You'd watch three times. <laughs> It'd be less torturous, less painful than the Sex in the City movie. Uh, when I was getting my IVs last week, or when I know they're doing blood, you know, taking my blood like every two hours, and I just kept watching my arm. Now it never got as bad as Rocking for a Dream, but you just watch it get purple and black, and they keep going into the same hole over and over again. Uh, reminded me of the movie. Uh, I think everybody has ever had that done. Really, <laughs> the same thing. Runaway Jury, City of God. City of God. That movie's incredible. Time Bandits, A View to Kill. Time Bandits. Heat, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 2003. Heat. Yes. Scary Movie 2, Evil had Dead to ins- 2. The, the movie against Heat had to insult one of the greatest movies of all time in order for me to make Heat. Uh, <laughs> Evil Dead 2, Scary Movie 2. Evil Dead 2. Spanglish Traffic. Traffic. Although I do like Spanglish. I'd probably not put either one of them on. Uh, Dirty Harry, The Bridge on the River Kwai. Bridge on the River Kwai. Clueless Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1990. This didn't used to be hard. Yeah. Like, this would be very easy to pick Clueless, but I really like TMNT. I'm picking Clueless, but I still have a large appreciation for, for the experience of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, you're probably right. I, it's kind of impressive how Clueless is hung around. X Men Apocalypse, Dune. Dune. <laughs> As a curiosity, it's better than <laughs> X-Men Apocalypse. About a boy alive. About a boy. 
In the Line of Fire, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Uh, uh, the, the Two Towers. I'm kind of bothered by my more and more I hate Clint Eastwood every year because <laughs> he's made <laughs> some great movies. Wonder Woman 2017, iRobot. Wonder Woman. 8mm, Meet the Parents. Meet the Parents. Agreed. The Core, Ready Player One. Uh, uh, I think the Core is shorter, so let's go with that one. Go Ready Player One, but I'm not particularly motivated by it. You win. <laughs> Three Kings, Cocktail. Three Kings. Gone Baby Gone, Speed. Gone Baby Gone. I agree, but I'd watch Speed first. Strangers on a Train, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Strangers on a Train. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Nixon. Beverly Hills Cop 2. Yeah. The Fifth Element, Runaway Bride. Fifth Element. Cruel Intentions, Reign of Fire. Cruel Intentions. Ha! There it is! Van Wilder, freshman year, house. House. Absolutely. Sadly, I probably would have taken the regular Van Wilder. <laughs> Not because I'm right, just I have a unfair love for that movie, and I don't know why. The Born Legacy, Liar, Liar. Uh, the Born Legacy, that's the one with that's, uh, uh, Renner. Jeremy Renner. Yeah. I'll take Liar, Liar. I agree. House of Wax, old school. Oh, old school. It's funny. Reluctantly. We, like, old school, we didn't like going back, but every time it's popped up, it's come up against a shitty movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, X-Men 2, I don't know what that movie is. That's uh, some, some movie I've never heard of. X-Men 2, White Noise. X2, I guess. White Noise is pretty bad. I thought X2 is the best of all the X-Men movies, other than Logan. A Training Day Swimming Pool. Swimming Pool. Actually a really good movie. Dune Taken. <sighs> this is like my hell because Dune's boring as hell and I'm not looking forward to going back to it later this year. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to watching the documentary, but yeah. I, I could take Liam Neeson, so I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Taken. It's fine. It's probably a good spot to end it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, flick charts not being entertaining anymore. <laughs>